Good to see you, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. This is, uh, I know many of our folks are already on the road, um, school, some of you uh, students, obviously all of the students are off for the week, which is a great thing uh, right there, and that's super. I want to uh, uh, share with you a couple of things before we open God's Word here in just a moment. Uh, first of all, uh, Coach Brian Rout is the coach of the boys varsity basketball team at Round Rock Christian Academy, which is a very dear blessing to us. And uh, they, he has several of his players here. They're about to head out for a tournament. And uh, what a great way to start by coming to worship. Brian, would y'all stand in, you, in your players that are here and let's just recognize you guys. And, uh, good luck. Good luck. That's for sure. And tonight uh, we have a special opportunity. At six o'clock, we're going to be ordaining Jared Mitzelfeld. Jared is our young adults pastor and uh, we are going to be uh, ordaining him in this right in here. You guys need to be right here uh, tonight. Um, but uh, last week I had announced we we're going to do a four o'clock Q and A. We're going to forego that. Uh, Jared's got several family members in town, so they're going to get together for dinner and everything, which is perfectly okay. He's met with our elders and. He wouldn't be on staff with us if he wasn't solid, uh, obviously. But uh, six o'clock tonight is going to be a time of praying over him, and, and there will be some worship and those kind of things. So, in, invite you to be uh, a part of that as well. And I pray safety on you uh, this week. Get out your stretchy pants and go for it. Uh, is the way I look at it. Um, Hey, if you have your Bibles uh, or your devices, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah, major prophet in the Old Testament. If you uh, get lost a little bit, go to Psalms, beyond Psalms, and you're going to hit Isaiah and then Jeremiah. And if you hit Ezekiel, you've gone too far. But uh, Jeremiah, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10 and let me say this before I read it, because I'm going to be reading out of, uh, many of you remember the original Living Bible that came out. Now it's called the New Living Translation, which has some changes to it. And uh, the scripture that we could find was just the New Living, but I want to read it out of the Living. It'll be very close, and for you that are Bible scholars... I do not use the Living Bible as my study Bible. And I know somebody's going to say, man, that guy. Uh, but here we go. Verses 1 through 10, Jeremiah. These are God's messages to Jeremiah the priest, the son of Hilkiah, who lived in the town of Anatoth in the land of Benjamin. The first of these messages came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Ammon's son Josiah, king of Judah. Others came during the reign of Josiah's son Jehoiakim, 
king of Judah, and at various other times until July of the 11th year of the reign of Josiah's son, Zedekiah, king of Judah, when Jerusalem was captured and the people were taken away as slaves. And, and you've got to understand, the reason that that historical perspective is given right there is to prove that Jeremiah was a real person. You know, many people think the Bible's fantasy and it's just made up characters. And Listen, you can pinpoint history when Jeremiah was alive. And so uh, just hang on to that. Verse 4, the Lord said to me, this is Jeremiah speaking, I knew you before you were formed within your mother's womb. Before you were born, I sanctified you and appointed you as my spokesman to the world. Oh, Lord God, I said, I can't do that. I'm far too young. I'm only a youth. Don't say that, he replied, for you, you will go wherever I send you and speak whatever I tell you to. And don't be afraid of the people, for I, the Lord, will be with you and see you through. Then he touched my mouth and said, See, I have put my words in your mouth. Today your work begins to warn the nations and the kingdoms of the world. In accord with my words spoken through your mouth, I will tear down some and destroy them and plant others and nurture them and make them strong and great. Um, if you've ever seen a video on your social media feed or on YouTube or something, of a person that was born without hearing, and then maybe something happens in life where they can get an implant, or uh, maybe God healed them in an incredible way, but they can hear as an adult. And, and that first time you've seen this on uh, videos, that the first time they hear a sound, all of a sudden there's tears come because they're thinking, this is something that's been missing my whole life, and all of a sudden, it's become a reality. The, now I can know uh, what I can only imagine before. I think this describes many followers of Jesus. You came to Jesus because someone shared with you the message of Jesus Christ, the good news that we're all broken, we're sinful, we need a Savior, and Jesus came as the exact representation of God, and He, he died and took all of our sins on a cross, and we, we respond to that. We, we respond by faith to that. And, and that's what we've done, and we praise God that, that He has done that. However, there is another part to that, that God so cares for us that He takes up residence inside of us that He wishes to commune with us and speak to us. And I don't want that to sound so mystical that, that you're thinking, oh, I've never heard a voice in the sky or anything like that. That's what I want to say. We have a God that wants to commune with us. And what has happened is, is, is uh, we have believers that responded by faith, but have never come to that infant, intimate connection with the Creator God. And once that does happen, it's like, bang, all of a sudden, oh, my life has changed. My, my walk with Jesus has changed incredibly. But we live in a day where many people are not having this communion with God. And I thought about some reasons. I, I thought about 
One is that uh, many people are not aware that God wants to commune with them, and he wants to speak with them. Uh, A second thing is we think that's just for the super spiritual. That's for the teachers. That's for the preachers. That's that's for the missionaries. That's uh, not for me. And I want you to know it's for every person. Um, here's a third reason that we don't uh, commune close with God or hear Him speak. We don't want Him to. Uh, you know, think about it. The God of all creation wants to commune with you, and you're, you know, here's the deal. You're thinking, if I hear from God, He's going to radically alter my life. Well, that may be true, and oftentimes we just don't want to hear uh, from Him. Another reason we don't hear from God is that we assume the 66 books that make up our Bible, God has said it all there. He, he has said it all. And, and I, I want to push back on that and say this, that if you feel a nudge from God, you sense that it's a nudge from God, and it's against the Word of God, then I would re-listen. Because you probably missed something somewhere. But God speaks directly, and, and He may use the Gospels, He may use Jeremiah, He may use Isaiah, whatever. But uh, we sometimes think, oh... I'm just going to read my Bible, and we may miss what God is saying. Another reason, last reason that I came up with, that people do not want to commune with God, or they do not commune with God, is that there's a blockage somewhere. Either there's a sin issue in your life, or an unforgiveness issue, or something like this. And so you put up this wall of, of blockage, and your prayers seem like hitting... Uh, bronze in, in, uh, in the sky. Well, I want you to know, I firmly believe that God desires to commune with us. We see it in the call of Jeremiah, and so I want to get personal, if I could, uh, just a moment. At the age of 16, I experienced God as I had never experienced Him before. Just so that you know, I was a historical person at the age of 16. Uh, I had no neck. That's just on my shoulders. Um, And the reason it says youth minister there is uh, because we had done a Sunday thing at the church and and they use youth for, um, uh, for the different pastoral duties. And so they put that in the bulletin. I was a good-looking guy, wasn't I? Uh, and, uh, but I want you to know I was real. But at the age of 16, I experienced God as I never experienced Him before. You see, I was attending church nine months before I was born. I, I guarantee you, my family was at church. I grew up, my grandparents were believers. My parents were believers. Um, every Sunday... Our family would be there at church, Beverly Hills Baptist Church in Waco. And at the age of eight, I walked an aisle and I took the pastor by the hand and I said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. 
And, and you're thinking, hey, man, that's pretty young. Listen, I knew I was broken. I knew I was sinful. I knew that God sent Jesus to a cross to take my sin. And as an eight-year-old boy, I did not understand everything. I just knew I needed a Savior. And so I walked an aisle and I said, I want to give my life to Jesus. And that night I was baptized and uh, uh, I, I can literally say that I have sinned more since I've been a believer, but uh, I know He has taken that as well. And up into my teen years, the best way that I could describe it, it was, I was a great spectator and fan of Jesus. I was a great spectator and fan of Jesus. Sunday I would come, Sunday night I would be there. I was a great spectator and a great fan of Jesus. Because I thought that's all it has to do with following Jesus. Just be a spectator. Show up on Sunday. Be a fan. Yes, Jesus, go. And that, that's what I was. I was a very good one. But then what happened is I had a youth pastor who approached me one Sunday. And he said, Mark, I would love for you to consider going on a mission trip we're going to be doing this summer. My mind was, you can tell by no neck, I, I love sports. Uh, that was a big deal in my life. Uh, I thought, is this going to cut into baseball? Is it going to cut into my summer? What's it going to do? You know, starting to make those excuses right off the bat. However, I, I committed. Uh, you want to get to me, challenge me. And uh, I, I can see it happen. So I committed uh, to go on the trip. In fact, a cute little blonde by the name of Pam went on that trip as well, which made it even better. Uh, I went. We did backyard Bible clubs. We sang, did special services. We did door-to-door canvassing and, and praying for people. Um, this is what we did. And by the time the week was over, I was physically and emotionally spent. I mean, I was exhausted. But my spirit, something I really had never experienced before, my spirit was on fire and alive. It had become real to me that faith was not being an attender or a fan but faith was a verb to be lived out. And I thought, God, if this is what your church is, if it's not being a spectator and a fan, if it is truly coming to the point of acknowledging that Jesus, I want to follow you, and faith is a verb, then I'm all in. I'm all in. I don't want to be all in to be a spectator and a fan. I want to be all in with the God of the universe. And if this was the true church, then I wanted to be all in. But, I was just a youth. I was just a kid. Um, nobody in my family had better, ever been in the ministry. It, it was a new thing to me to even think about. But one thing that God in His incredible way of putting things together is I'd been challenged by, uh, by another man on reading the Bible 
through in a year. I wanted to take that challenge up. So I, I uh, found a plan, and in fact, um, it's a plan that I still use today. And I make sure that I read the scriptures through uh, in the year, and uh, from beginning to end. And you may say, well, Mark, the Bible doesn't change. I change. I change. And I need the filling. In fact, uh, small advertisement. Out there on the table, we have these little reading plans. This takes you through the Bible in a year. A little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of New Testament every day. And by the time the year is up, you will have read through the entirety of Scripture. We got plenty uh, and so I would challenge you to do that because what did in my life, even as a teenager, is I was systematically reading the Word of God. And so what happened is it wasn't a pick and peck. You know what I'm talking about? It was just like, God, this is my point today. You know, it wasn't that. It was a systematic way of working through it. So God knew what I was going to be reading. And so... Uh, I'd also been taught not only challenged to read the Word of God, but to uh, know that God could speak directly and, and uh, call individuals. So, in the mid-70s, the, there obviously predominantly was the King James Bible, but the Living Bible had come out and a student version called the way had come out. I, and in fact, it was this Bible. And I, I know it's archaic because it says $5.95 uh, on it. But uh, this is the scripture I was using. And I look back and see the things that are underlined, and it's, it's really brings back a lot of memories to me. But I was desperate. You know, when God starts doing some things in your life, you would think you become more satisfied. I became more desperate. I, I wanted to know, God, what are you, uh, what are you calling me to? What are, you, what are you really speaking to me about? So one night in the fall of, I believe, it was probably 1976, that uh, 75 in that area, uh, I was reading, and I'd come to, my reading for the day was in the end of Isaiah. Now, I've shared this with you before. There are certain days that you read the Bible, and you're thinking, I just did not get anything out of that. Well, you got to know that there are certain meals you eat that you got nothing out of it, but the nutrition of what you ate. And so you're not going to not eat. So why do, you, why do you cut out the Bible? That's another sermon. But I came to the end of Isaiah and I thought, God, I just, I'm desperate tonight. And so I went to the first chapter of Jeremiah. Now you've got to think of the excuses I was giving. I, I'm young. I'm inexperienced. I don't know. I don't have a clue what I'm doing, and I all of a sudden I'm reading Jeremiah, and I come to verse 4, and it's like God was speaking directly to me. You got to know, I, I never read Jeremiah before. 
I didn't even know really what it was about. But all of a sudden, I'm reading the Scripture not for historical facts, but for God to speak to me. And I'm telling you, bang. All of a sudden, God is speaking in an incredible way to my heart. I'll come back to that in just a moment. But what I want to do is I want to break down Jeremiah's calling just a moment and make it as practical to you because I believe, I believe we live in a day of famine and hearing the Word of God and we need to open our, our spirits to hear from God. Um, the first thing that I want you to write down is this. The Word of God is personal and purposeful. The Word of God is personal and purposeful. Notice what it says in verse 4. The Lord said to me. It was a personal word. It, uh, Jeremiah is saying it is a personal word for individuals. And it is personal and it is purposeful. It, it's interesting. When we were in Spain last month, we were talking to... We talked to, in six days, we talked to people from 52 different countries. And it's amazing that they're making their way to Santiago. We get, we get them three days out. And they've been walking, many have been walking for five weeks. And they, we start carrying on conversation. We're asking them, why did you walk the Camino? And many of them are saying, I just am looking for the purpose of life. I'm looking for my purpose. Many have quit jobs. They've taken gap years from school. They're just out walking saying, I just am looking for purpose. I want you to know that God speaks in a personal and purposeful way. And the way that this scripture in the original language speaks, it speaks this way. It's a personal word that comes with power and enabling. So you got to know when God speaks... It's personal, but it's powerful and enabling as well. And what God initiates, He enables. Now, in our kitchen, just I'm sure just like your kitchen, is that we have different appliances. We have a refrigerator, we have a microwave, we have a stove, we have a dishwasher, we have coffee makers, can openers, whatever your toaster whatever you have appliance-wise in your kitchen. Our toaster is not meant to make coffee. Our refrigerator is not meant to make coffee, just like our microwave isn't formed to make things cold. It is there for its distinctive purpose. But get this, they're all plugged into the same power source. So what I'm sharing with you is that we are different. We are different. God has created you differently, but we're all plugged into the same power source. And He is the one that works through us. And this, this calling that Jeremiah had would, would sustain him and he would keep going back to that despite the circumstances. Do you under, have you ever got the background of Jeremiah? He was called the weeping prophet because God gave him messages for about 40 years that he had no converts. Can you imagine preaching for 40 years and nobody responds? 
I, I have to think he had to go back to that calling probably daily to see, okay, God, this is very personal and purposeful, so I've got to trust you in this. The second point I want you to write down is this. God's Word is penetrating. The Word of God is penetrating. It, it uh, is deep. It's not surface-level stuff. It is deep. Notice what it says in the Scriptures. Uh, it says in verse 4, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I knew you. This is a term of intimacy. I knew you. Nothing about Jeremiah was a secret to God. God not only knew his conduct, but he knew his intentions and motives. You know, we, we sometimes are guilty of teaching a Christianity that is all, all how we look. Don't, don't go to certain movies. Don't, uh, don't get drunk. Don't uh, do this. Don't do that. And, and we do these things, but our hearts and our motives are sour. I want you to know God sees to the heart. You see, He works from the inside out. And uh, He knew Jeremiah intimately. And uh, he, he was acquainted with all His ways. So He said, I knew you. Second of all, He said this, I formed you. I formed you in your mother's womb. I formed you. Um, the, this terminology is the same terminology for a potter on a wheel that takes clay and he's working it. And, uh, and God is doing this. I formed you. And I want you to hear this. There are no accidents in God's commodity. No accidents. I know some of you in this room, your parents may have said, oh, you were an accident. Or somebody said, whoa, you must have been an accident. Um, and, and, but I want you to know, they, they say that tongue-in-cheek because in the Lord, there are no accidents. You are who you are. God formed you, and uh, He did a, a great job. And some folks will debate on um, when life begins. Does it begin at conception? Does it begin at first breath? Or does it begin independent from the mom when the uh, child can live on its own. And, and many times people wonder, where do we come up with our Christian worldview? And, and sometimes we, it's hard to discuss apples to apples because of where we come from. But the scriptures teach us, and, and right here, he says, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Before means preconception. So I believe, according to the Word of God, and what I believe in my Christian worldview, is that life begins in the heart and mind of God Himself. And so, you know, it's hard for people to understand that. Don't you care about the rights of women? Sure. Yeah, but I, I cannot walk away from God's Word. And so, I believe that life begins in the heart and mind of God. And so, God says, I formed you. One of the biggest setbacks, I believe, 
that many people have to developing and being content in their walk with Christ, in their walk, in their stage of life, is the sin of comparison. Now, understand why I call it a sin of comparison. There's times you compare and there's times you have a role model and you want to emulate their life. But there's a sin of comparison that I want to share with you. Many of you in this room are on social media. We see, we see it. Uh, most of the world is on social media, whether uh, Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or, or whatever you're on. And one of the struggles we have with that is we go on and we see and we start comparing our lackluster life with some made-up copy that person is doing on social media. And what happens is, is we see that and we think, oh man, I'm, I'm nothing. I, look at them, man. They got a great looking family. That's one picture, man. Do you, can you imagine what they went through to get that one perfect picture? It came to a head to me one time. It was a morning I was studying at home and I, I happened to look on my Facebook feed. And uh, there was, a, there was a, a part of my news feed, there was a friend of mine that's a pastor, and he was writing a glowing report about his wife. I mean, he was bragging about her and everything. I thought, good night, I hope Pam doesn't see this. <laughs> and, and so I'm reading that, I promise you this, within 30 minutes, he called me. And he said, Mark, I just want you to know, it looks like my marriage is falling apart. He was doing that as a last-ditch effort to try to win her back. And he had put that online, and I can read that and think, my marriage is terrible. Look at that. But yet, the phone call within 30 minutes brought it to reality. And what happens is, is that we get disappointed with God because of the way we were formed. And let me tell you, God knows exactly what He is doing. And He has formed us to fulfill His plan. So I knew you, I formed you, and then He says, I consecrated you, or I set you apart, I sanctified you. Uh, literally, it is a setting apart uh, for kingdom deployment. Uh, it, he has given you a purpose. And notice this. I think this is interesting. He did not consult Jeremiah on the calling. He did not say, hey, Jeremiah, what do you think? Because Jeremiah would have said, no way. There's no way I'm going to do that. God created him. He formed him. He knew him. He knew what was in there. He knew he could, he could trust him with the word. And so he did it. He didn't consult with him about that. And many people today are chasing the American dream, right? What's the American dream? Well, it's wealth, health, popularity, uh, posterity, whatever it may be. Uh, and, and imagine you're climbing the ladder of success, right? For the American dream. And you come to the top of that ladder and all of a sudden you realize you're on the wrong building. I think sometimes we have embraced that in life. 
Oh, look at me. I'm doing something. I'm accomplishing something. So we, we go with that, only to realize we're on the wrong wall. The third point that I want to make right quick is the Word of God is powerful. Powerful. Notice what Jeremiah's excuses were. I'm just a youth. I'm not experienced. I'm not equipped or skilled. I'm unworthy. I'm sinful. Isn't it interesting that God uses men, women, students who don't think they can do it? Because we cannot take credit. God gets all the glory. God sees so much more in you than you see in yourself. I'm, I'm always fascinated when people say, I'm not sure I want to work in the children's ministry. Because I look at our children and, and I'm praying, God, we don't know who's in there. We don't know who's in our nursery now. We may have a missionary, an evangelist, a pastor, worship pastor, a godly lawyer, a godly doctor, godly plumber, godly electrician, and we need to be there to help them develop in their faith. And so we do not know who we got there. And the other thing that Jeremiah says, I can't speak. It was the same excuse as Moses. And God was stepping in and he's going to use his strength as a weakness. But here's the key. This is what makes the word of God powerful. Notice what he says in uh, verse 8. And don't be afraid of the people, for I, the Lord, will be with you and see you through. See, that's the key. I will be with you and see you through. In other words, God is not saying, Mark, I want you to go and do it and see how it comes out. That's not what he says. God, God says, Mark, I've spoken to you, I've called you, I've enabled you, but still, I'm going to go with you. And I'm going to go before you. And some some may, um, well, case in point, many of you have had children or you have children, young children or grandchildren. And you've been awakened in the middle of the night by the stair, what I call the stair. And I'm laying there and, whoa, all of a sudden I, I, I just, I'm awakened by a stair. Maybe it was a bad dream, maybe it's thunder, maybe it's just fear factor that is coming to their mind. And they're coming to you, and we always say, just go back to bed, and it'll be okay. Only to get the stare in a few more minutes. You know how it is. You know something? Your child doesn't want the thunder to go away. He doesn't want the lightning to go away. He doesn't want the bad dream to go away. He wants you. And you see, that's what God is saying. Your circumstances may not change, but I'm with you in the midst of it. Now, somebody may say, Mark, do you, do you, uh, do you feel like uh, you're calling? Do you, you ever struggle with that? Yeah, I do all the time. That's why I have to go back. Is there days I feel like quitting? Oh, absolutely. It's been said that pastors have a, a resignation letter in their desk for every Monday. It's not true. I, I, I don't have that. But uh, sometimes 
I struggle with what I've put my family through. You know, when you respond to God's call, you put a target on you. And um, I'm so grateful for my wife and the journey we've had together. But my kids have, uh, I feel like at times, have struggled. Jeremiah was a PK from what we know. His dad was a priest. And, and uh, you know, our kids have probably experienced things and been through things that I, I, I have some hard feelings are, and I have to go back to that calling. God, I know, I know you're going to take care of me because I'm following after you. But this is what I ultimately, ultimately believe. I believe we make hell tremble when we submit to God's call. I believe we make hell tremble when we submit to God's call. So, many times I go back to that autumn in 1975. I go back there and I say, God, I need to revisit the time. But you know, he always reminds me that I've set you apart and I'm with you. What is God speaking to you? Uh, it may not, may not be being a pastor or a youth pastor or worship pastor or anything like that. But I guarantee you, hear me on this, we all have a mission field and we're all called to that mission field. I just don't know what your mission field may be. I know number one is my family. Number two is, is Butler Way. Number three is you guys. And so I know that these are mission fields for me. But if, can you hear the voice of the Lord and what he's calling of you? I want you to bow your head with me as the worship team comes. And we're just going to sing one song. In fact, I want to ask the pastors and elders to come on up for prayer. And let me, let me just ask you this. Do you know Christ? Have you responded? Have you responded and made it purposeful and powerful? Just like Peter said from the water, I wanted this to be a purpose. And... Uh, God has purpose for you, but it begins with you responding to what he did on the cross. And uh, today he is saying, follow me, follow me, come, follow me. And he's calling you. And if that's you today, I want you to know he's desperately wanting to hear from you. I, I can encourage you to come up and take one of these pastors or elders by the hand or their wives and just ask them to pray for you. And please understand, this is the most important time in this service. Maybe some of you need to come kneel at this altar today and say, God, you've spoken to me. I want to be faithful to the calling. Father, I can't thank you enough for people that have allowed me to do what I do. Thank you so much for a wife that we've navigated this journey together. But Father, you are speaking in this room. I know you are. You're waiting for a desperate people to cry out to you. And God, we need to be that. 
Lord, I thank you that you still call people today. Lord, setbacks come and setbacks go, but the presence of the Lord remains forever. So I ask that you speak to us now as we enter into this time of commitment to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. You come. Please come. Come for prayer. Come to secure what God is saying to you right now.